Hello and thanks for listening to Behind the Brand, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of some of Australia's most exciting small business success stories. I'm your host, Jen LA, a serial entrepreneur who loves talking all things small business. Each week, I'll sit down with an incredible founder and ask them to share it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly, on my mission to find out exactly what it takes to run a successful small business. From startups to scale-ups and international success stories, you'll hear it all right here on Behind the Brand. If you love what you're hearing and want more, find me on Instagram and TikTok at behindthebrand.podcast. Of course, sharing the good vibes is always appreciated. Share this episode on your stories or leave a podcast review. A little bit of love goes a long, long way. But for now, sit back, relax and enjoy while I take you behind the brand. Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday and welcome to this week's episode of Behind the Brand. Thank you so much for bearing with me over the last two weeks. Obviously, we had a two-week break. I did have COVID and because of that, I had to push back some interviews. So thank you for bearing with me. Today's episode is more than going to make up for the last two weeks because it is with the incredible, incredible, passionate, intelligent, I'm such a fangirl after doing this interview. Her name is Anna Lay and she is the co-founder of Vita Glow. She founded it with her husband back in 2013, 2014 and is taking the world, literally the world, Europe, the US, UK by storm. In this episode, she talks about what it's like to start an ingestible beauty brand kind of transitioning from wellness to beauty and that category shift, international expansion, product manufacturing, marketing, how to balance everything as a mum of three toddlers. She is incredible. I know you are going to love this episode. So let's jump straight into it. Anna, thank you so much for joining me today, especially given you're under the weather today. So I really, really, really appreciate your time coming on to chat to me all about the Vita Glow journey. How are you? I'm pretty good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Um, It's always an honour to be invited onto a podcast, so thank you for reaching out to me. Oh, of course. I'm such a big fan and we're going to get into that in the episode. But for people who may not be familiar with you and your brand, please tell me a little bit about it. Well, my name is Anna Lay (laughs) and I am the founder of ingestible beauty brand Vita Glow. Now, Vita Glow started 2014. Correct, yeah. Tell me about Anna in 2013. What was she up to? Well, I had just finished my degree, so I did a Bachelor of International and Global Studies at the University of Sydney, Mm. and I majored in political economy and international business. Oh, okay. Um, On New Year's Day of 2013, I met my Mm. husband, um, who was... Uh, at Icebergs in Bondi Beach yep. <laughs> at the New Year's Day party. And um, so that was a great year because that was the year we sort of fell in love and travelled together and um, and it was also the year, I think it was really early on into our relationship, maybe two months in. I mean, he proposed after three months. So oh, my gosh. We moved quite quickly. Love but story. 
Yeah, it was a bit of a love story, still is. It's almost 10 years that we've been together and we started conceptualising an idea um, of something that we could do on the side maybe when we got married and had kids. I was working in licensing at the time and he was working in property and development, uh, licensing for the rag trade. Mm-hmm. And we really didn't know what that idea could be. Uh, I had discovered collagen supplementation the year before uh, on a trip overseas to visit a girlfriend and I had been taking this product religiously and, you know, sharing it with anyone that wanted to hear about it. And it was one day, it was Kieran who was then my boyfriend and, well, he must have been my fiancé, I guess, Um, (laughs) now my husband who's the CEO of our business and we launched it together. We conceptualised the business mostly in 2013 in terms of what that could look like. It was about a year of just understanding what both our vision could be for this brand and I felt very strongly that, you know, I only wanted to do something and put my name to it that I felt very, very passionate about Um, and I knew with all certainty that, I mean, we launched with one product, Marine Collagen, but I knew with all certainty that, I really wholeheartedly believed in this product. So it was then down to a lot of research and a lot of time exploring our options before we actually put pen to paper at the beginning of 2014 and then launched it in September 2014. And I guess for people who don't have much to do with their food wellness, we'll call it wellness industry, Mm. in 2013-14, this was like, and I mean, why would you know about it if you weren't in it? You know what I mean? It's kind of a niche thing to know. Mm. But in Australia, this was kind of prime time. And this was, you know, this is back when I started my brand. Um, There were so many independent or small brands coming up, launching products that were really innovative and that were challenging what the big brands are selling and there's a really it was a really big time for health food stores working with health food Mm -hmm. distributors um Mm -hmm. shopify instagram all of that it was a very like kind of niche really like it was almost like a gold rush for the wellness industry that's when you know we'd gone from bloggers we had all the like wellness bloggers and everything um green smoothies became a thing chia puddings Mm -hmm. became a thing it was like a real whole kind of industry let's let's talk about marine collagen because you kind of you've stepped a little bit outside of that because it's more ingestible beauty right versus any kind of food product yeah so we you said wellness before and Mm. I suppose if, if I look back at the brand in 2014 we were a little bit more of a wellness brand mm-hmm. than I suppose when we launched. I remember I used to spend my weekends at About Life and yes, at local yes. pharmacies that used yep. to take me or the um, Naturally Good Expo or yes. other you know, wellness expos that there were. Uh, but now I suppose, and I guess we'll probably talk about this um, down the track on this podcast, it's really about being more beauty focused mm-hmm. and in a, you know, focusing on ingestible beauty and how can we target modern beauty concerns via an ingestible that's really backed by science and has the credibility and the clinical studies to back up the claims that we're making. And that Naturally Good Expo, we were just about to talk about it and then I said, no, no, I want to save it for the podcast. I was there every year as well with Bake Mixes. Mm. I remember the first year I went up, I went up there to try and find a distributor 
I mm-hmm. really wanted to get on board with Unique um, mm-hmm. from Queensland. I'm sure you're familiar. Yeah. And I went up with like a hand luggage bag full of my products. I had like the cheapest like red eye flight up there, f- cheapest flight home in the evening. And I just went up with hand luggage full of products and flyers and was just handing them out to every distributor that was exhibiting at Naturally Good, trying to get mm-hmm. my products, you know, in someone's books. And then oh, I yeah. ended up distributing in the years after that as well. Were you on that? You were on that circuit as well, right? Yeah, definitely. So it was a hustle, right? It was such a hustle. <laughs> it was such a hustle. My gosh, I guess me cold shivers thinking about. Yeah, this. I know, right? <laughs> um, you know, but I suppose I guess it's it's just it's a it's a real passion of mine now that I think about getting started. You know, for anyone that is interested in starting a business, and I, I mean, I get asked a lot on social media. A lot of people reach out to me on DM whether I'm interested in doing any mentoring and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my cup is so full at the moment between my children and the business and I, I really I don't have the capacity mm-hmm. for, for, for mentoring. But, you know, if I had any advice for people starting, it would be to just start, mm-hmm. you know, one foot in front of the other. And in those early days, and you would be the same with bake mixes, uh, it, there was a lot of mistakes and a lot of things that didn't go right. There was a lot of I have no idea if this is going to work. There was a lot of time wasted. You know, there was so much going back and forth with distributors. There was oh, just the, the journey itself of getting started and and those small wins of having, you know, because initially we were mostly in health food stores and some in and in some pharmacies way before we were in any department stores. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we launched on Shopify because I know you brought Shopify up. So we launched on Shopify, um, and really I built the Instagram up myself in those in those early days of Instagram. They, it was quite easy for a brand to build. Oh, it was prime um, time. It was yeah. prime Instagram time. Yeah, so it's very different now. The nature of social media. Um, so, yeah, very, very different products. Well, marine College. So, for me, I just developed my recipes at home, right? Bought the ingredients in bulk and wholesale, mixed them together and sold them. Marine Collagen's a bit different. How mm. did you take this idea from a concept that you guys were working on together to becoming a tangible product? Well, I think the most important thing is that, I, you know, we landed on the idea of marine collagen because this was a product that I had been taking for about two years and that I absolutely loved and saw the real tangible, visible results that I had on my, well, specifically my hair after experiencing um, quite significant hair loss. Mm-hmm. And I had tried every product on the market for hair, skin and nails with not many to show results. Mm-hmm. And, and it was really this passion for the the results that I saw from collagen that was the the spark behind starting Vita Glow. Um, I invested into the research to really understand scientific evidence behind the results that I saw for my hair, skin and nails. And the clinical data was very evident. I mean, as you said earlier, you know, there wasn't another brand like this in Australia at the time uh, and, and certainly not in the West really. You know, it wasn't the, the buzzword that it is mm. today but, you know, five years at uni taught me how to research and there was clinical data. There was over 30 years of clinical studies that I could see and there were some great brands uh, overseas that had, had commissioned quite a few studies. And then I had the challenge of, you know, bringing something so new and relatively unheard of in Australia to the market and there were so few ingestible beauty brands that I could sort of benchmark off and there were so few manufacturers so 
in those early days, it was just a lot of Googling, you know, a lot of calling, a lot of researching, uh, a lot of late nights. And Japan was one of the biggest marine collagen suppliers and manufacturers at the time. And we traveled to Kobe to see a factory. And that was really exciting. Um, And this is where I guess we started learning about contract manufacturers, packing and supply chains from there the process I suppose evolved and we continued to grow and to expand. Um, We moved the packaging process back to Australia so that it was something we could assess and manage more closely. And again, these are, you know, two people that didn't, had never done this before. So it was a lot of baby steps and a lot of successes and so many more failures we originally when we we started vita glow we had our collagen supplier was from japan um, and then we changed our collagen supplier to a french supplier um, their quality and the technology behind the processes are really world class and it was something that we had never seen before and haven't been able to find anywhere else in the world since um, so yeah i mean it's we're so proud to be an Australian owned and operated brand, but I guess the core part of our success really is the ability to source raw materials globally. And it is a core strategy of our first to market innovation that we really pride ourselves on. And I guess that's something that I, I probably harp on a lot about. But you know, in order to be truly innovative, you have to be first to market you have to be afraid you you can't be afraid to fail um and in you know not not be afraid to be first and those are the kind of risks we took in those early days yeah most people who start a brand don't come from business they don't usually come from manufacturing there is there is so much to learn and it's just how are you shipping the product over how is it getting weighed out how is it going into sachets how are they then getting grouped up in 12 15 and into the next lot of packaging and then it's mm. going into shippers and how are you optimizing your pallets and all of those things it's so much to learn and a lot of non-glamorous things to learn Absolutely. you um you said you did have your share of ups and downs what were kind of those initial stumbling blocks you think you might have come across in the early days i think the biggest challenge back then when we first started was actually product awareness. So when I first heard about collagen, honestly, I thought it was Botox. Yes. And back then consumers really didn't know, like there weren't other collagen products on the market. There weren't articles in magazines or on blogs about it. Um, And I would do anything that I could to speak to people about the benefits of collagen, about ingestible beauty. You know, I, like I said, I spent the weekends at About Life stores. I would go to different pharmacies and wear my apron and at the time you know we and and talk speak to anyone that was kind enough to give me their time that would actually have a chat with me and I used to I used to get printed these Vita Glow stickers to put on my little denim apron um, because at the time I probably couldn't have even afforded to have it actually embroidered onto my Mm -hmm. (laughs) onto Mm -hmm. my apron. My denim apron was plain yes. (laughs) And we probably got it from that same you know, yes. you just Google like yes. aprons for sale. 100%. Um, and I would just try and speak to as many people as I could. And I guess being in health food stores and in pharmacies, people were a little bit more interested and, and it was so new. So there was 
there were quite a lot of people that gave me their time, you know, and for that I'm forever grateful to those people in the beginning who helped us along the way when we were just a startup um, and why I'm always quite passionate about have, helping up, helping, you know, and speaking to other founders that are in startups because it's it's a really scary time and it wasn't an easy sell. You know, I had... I had done all of the research and I knew all the science and I created the original website myself. I wrote every single word that was on that original website, the frequently asked questions, how it works, why it works, what are the benefits, what are the scientific studies. I referenced the studies just like I did at university, you know, when I was writing an essay. It was so particular. It took so much of my time. And on top of that, I had a full-time job because, you know, I wasn't making an income from Vita Glow. And I think today education is still at the forefront for us. You know, now we have a panel of skin experts like dermatologists and cosmetic doctors and skin scientists, as well as our in-house scientists who help to educate on the efficacy and the legitimacy of ingestible beauty. You know, we have over 63 people that work for us here in Australia. So, it's it's a it's a different ball game now, but you know those those early memories. I'm often when I'm in meetings and speaking to the team, I, I often get teary thinking about it. Just the the sheer overwhelm of the unknown about whether or not this was going to work, whether or not anyone was going to believe in in it like I did. Um, and you risk everything. And I was May two thousand and. 15, I think that I took the plunge to actually start working for myself and quit my job. And, you know, my husband didn't do that for years so that we could still uh, pay our rent and um, make ends meet. Those early days are so tough that it is so much, no matter how much people want to glamorize it, it is so much grind, so many late nights, so much financial stress, right? It's really, it's not super glamorous, but it's almost a rite of passage, I think, when launching a brand, especially a, look, especially launching a product-based business, service-based businesses are a little bit different. They absolutely require a ton of work, but when you're funding physical products you know there's a lot of money and everything you need to come up with and we were self-funded you know completely self-funded so that is a huge you know stress on Mm -hmm. I mean financial stress is one of the worst stresses people can go through you know and I think that just the sheer unknown and and you know that doesn't go away for a really long time yeah (laughs) even when you have successes yeah, I think it's one of those things that will remain constant for business owners, I guess, because it's your business, right? It's not mm-hmm. just a secure salary that you're taking from, you know, a, a company you work for um, where, you know, you're going to be paid the same every Tuesday. Exactly, yeah. It's tough. Let's let's, let's talk about the marketing side because neither of you came from marketing. Yeah. Um, and 2014, as we kind of said, that was that heyday for Instagram. Is that your primary or was that your primary marketing outlet marketing platform when you launched? Well, I think like a lot of things in those early years, we didn't have an Instagram strategy, Mm. but we threw ourselves into it the best way we knew how. We didn't understand the algorithm or how we were supposed to use hashtags. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we learnt as we went along. And Instagram played a big role in education early on. Everything we posted was awareness built building for what collagen is and and what it was the messaging that we were trying to get across for our customers did you do much work with influencers 
a lot. I was going to say, I feel like I remember, do I remember Ashley Bynes? Yes. Yeah, because I did some with her as well. Yes, I'm I'm putting all the pieces. I'm going back. Oh my gosh, what ten years now? Um, and it was almost. different working with influencers back, in those oh days. Oh my god, it was the know? best back then. It, it was, was so good. It was, it was very different. I, I know. mean, I think I think it's great now. I think the transparency now for social media is really important, mm-hmm. and I think the landscape for social media influencers has really changed. And what works for some brands, you know, some influencers that work for some brands, like what I've noticed is some works so well for fashion brands. It doesn't translate translate when it comes mm-hmm. to beauty so it's it's a it's a really uh, unique um, strategy that you mm-hmm. use now but in the beginning it was almost like a bit of a free-for-all wasn't it oh a hundred percent and I think as well because it was so new and so exciting most it wasn't the how do I explain this <laughs> I'm trying to explain this it wasn't I think influences, and I'm, I'm not sure, it's probably not so much now, but even say like two, three years ago, it was just everyone who could, everyone with any kind of following, flogging everything they can. It wasn't that it, back in that time. It was really wellness, health, wellness, beauty people, like talking about products and actually using, it was, it was different. It was very different. I mean, obviously they were paid, so we, you know, we would approach them and pay them, but it was more genuine, I think. And then I think it got to the point where it became a bit grubby in the industry. There was a lot of people that were not paid as well and were happy. Oh, yeah. Like, because they were growing theirs. And not only that, but I mean, there was a lot of it that I look back and I'm going to have a giggle now, you know, like posting a, a photo with a bikini with the product in between like it, it yeah sort of, I had it, some of those yeah like it but it mean it worked but it was yeah. just I think everyone was na- navigating it you know and mm-hmm. I mean I didn't really even then I didn't think that I mean an influencer now is a full-time job and yes. it's an incredible job and people get incredible opportunities being able to do it and um I, you know in those early days of social media I didn't think that it was going to change the way that it has and and become so credible you know mm-hmm. um so for us I mean some of the beauty influences that we use are a huge source of credibility for for yeah. what we're trying to do because they are so well educated they do really understand the products they so many influencers that we work with now want to have full training before you know they want to use the product mm-hmm. for a couple of months before they're they'll speak about it they want to have full training they want to speak to me they you know and I think that it's about choosing the right people yes. that are going to represent your brand well. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's obviously a testament to you guys being thoughtful and considered with your choices of who you work with, which is when that genuine sense of credibility comes through. Now, tell me about, we've talked about Shopify. So, you launched on Shopify. Was that mainly how you sold in the early days? Or? Yeah, so we, we started online with Shopify and we saw direct to consumer for the first couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then by 2015, we had very limited independent retailers. Mm-hmm. And in 2016, we launched into Maya. Mm-hmm. And working with Maya was a turning point for the business. And I am forever grateful to Maya and, and to the team for believing in us. Um, and it was a real turning point for me as a founder. It was 2017. Maya gave us a pop-up in the Pitt Street Mall store for International Women's Day for a week on the beauty floor and it was this gorgeous space and I worked there 38 weeks pregnant with my first child for the week and that was I really used that space for our base for the week and it was just an incredible opportunity to engage in one-on-one 
conversations, not only with the consumer, which, you know, I hadn't done in person before because most of it was online, Mm. but also I invited media down and started developing relationships with beauty editors. And and so many of them actually came um, and really took a chance on us. And for that, I'm incredibly grateful for as well. And as a new founder, it was invaluable. I don't think the brand and I would be where we are today if it wasn't for this experience and the skills that it brought me. And I I still use those skills to this day. Mm. Um, And I think about that that week often, um, especially now as we've just done our overseas expansion and seeing our products in the like of Selfridges or Howard's or Bon Marche. And I think, you know, back to the five years ago when Maya gave us that opportunity. Uh, that's like, that's quite emotional, isn't it? That whole yeah. journey. That's so lovely. <laughs> when Let's talk about, well, you started with the marine collagen, but you've rolled out more product ranges since. What kind of order did you do that in and, and how did you know when it was time to expand? Because we had the first mover mindset really early on, we were really eager to expand expand the range with marine collagen um, first. And most of them came and went, but there were testings, learnings and evolvings. Um, and we did, you know, bring out new flavours. And and we, we brought out new products and beauty blends that didn't work um, that we then discontinued. So there was a lot of mistakes in the early days. And I suppose when you're just a startup, you don't have that clear strategic thinking about where your business is going to go to. And whether that's, um, I'm not saying that that's necessarily a mistake because I think that that's just the nature of getting started, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but over time, we've really grown from being predominantly known as a collagen brand to owning our vision um, into the targeted ingestible solution, like, for example, our advanced repair range of radiance and hairology, for example. So mm-hmm. unlike in the early days of VitaGlow, we now have a very robust NPD strategy that focuses on finding first-to-market solutions for very common beauty concerns. Like um, radiance is a great example of this process. You know, pigmentation is such a common beauty concern for so many women, myself included, especially uh after having children and it is frustrating time consuming and expensive to treat and so I think as a team we really want to study the concern we want to understand its causes and then we research 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 the most effective and efficient way that we can treat it with an ingestible so it's all things looking at what are the ingredients what is the delivery format to understand if a capsule will be more efficacious than a dissolvable powder or a liquid and then we begin months and months of formulation development testing and you know with these products it's about a two-year process of development and I think most people don't realize that investment not only of of money but time and resources and sometimes when they don't work it's incredibly frustrating you know I mean that's a testament as well to if it's you know up to two years in NPD your products are innovative when they hit the market so think about how early you're having these ideas it shows how much insight and passion you have for the industry Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I love what I do. I I, I couldn't work this hard and I couldn't be so involved if I if I didn't love what I do mm-hmm. and I think I'm incredibly proud to have cultivated such a strong culture at, at VitaGlow and have such a great team and that you know like I speak to my team every single day it's it's a real 
passion project for all mm. of us and it's um it, it, the new ideas of things that we with the NPD lineup and the things that we're about going to release in probably 18 months to you two years time we're talking about now yeah <laughs> It's crazy how far in advance these things work. So much clinical studies. We need to do consumer trials. We we often do trials ourselves. There's, there's so many steps in the process and, and in order to get it right. And I don't want to sacrifice the credibility of my brand by rushing. And now let's talk about some massive things. And you touched on it earlier, your international world domination let's call it that you have just come back from a whirlwind tour of basically the world over the last few months Mm. what are you guys doing tell me about that you know we've we're still very much on the journey of global expansion and we are learning a lot and every year I say the same speech and it's like think of this as year one (laughs) (laughs) and again we're experiencing the similar you know, barriers that we had early on with product awareness and understanding the categories, but in these international markets. And some markets are a lot more advanced than others when it comes to category awareness, like the UK, Australia, parts of Asia, whereas I would say some parts of Europe are about five years behind Australia. So, um, and from what I've seen, the awareness of the category is incredibly high in Australia compared to the rest of the world, I would say. And I think that this is because some of our strongest competitors come out of Australia. You know, Australia has great ingestible beauty brands, which is great because the category has a lot of credibility here Mm -hmm. and a lot of strong brands are creating impressive products. And sometimes when it comes to competition, you know, they're, they're there can be, especially because even though ingestible beauty is booming, the category itself is still in its infancy. So that creates a little bit of unhealthy competition, I, I think, sometimes. But actually, for the category as a whole, the Australian ba- brands being so strong is really good for the category growth. I always say, like, I wish we could get on a panel with, you know, other ingestible beauty founders and talk about the importance of this category. And there is enough room for us to do well and for them to do well also. Mm-hmm. And I think the the category having credibility here will help all of us with our international expansion because our competitors are strong. And beyond the awareness, um, being a global ingestible beauty brand also has its challenges because of different regulations across the globe. Mm-hmm. It's very different to skincare, for example. Even the clinical trials are so different when it comes to skincare because we have launched a skincare range at the end of last year, as I'm sure you've seen. And, you know, if the regulations and the clinical studies are so different when it comes to an ingestible and that creates so many barriers to entry. So we're in a place that we have been able to invest in in a team that are experts in formulation, in regulations, and that we can really work to eliminate eliminate this barrier. Mm. First off, what a refreshing approach and mindset you have on competitors. Um, that's really, really positive um, to see. And I think it shows you have such a, a great grasp on the bigger picture for the category um, when you yeah. explain it like that, which is really important. In the expansion process, I want to talk about the international part because this is something people dream of, right, to have their brand in department stores and beauty floors in some of the biggest names. You said yourself, Selfridges. Like 
it's so credible and it's such a testament to your brand and the work you're doing. Did you did you think you would get there internationally? Oh, look, I'm a glass half full and I'm an yes. eternal optimist. Amazing. Um, I really believe in goal setting and I write everything down. I have, you know, people have vision boards where I have like vision journals and I have all of them saved. And if I look back into my old books, I have, you know, cut out the logo of Selfridges or the logo of um, <laughs> Harrods or I've gone to Bon Marche and walked the beauty floor and said to Kieran, I hope one day we're in here. And so I, I, I try and do a lot of that visualisation and, and goal setting and oh, I can't tell you how many highs <laughs> there are from the international expansion piece. You know, it is it is, it is is a pinch me moment. Yeah. It is a dream come true and, and it is emotional because there have been so many tough times and I, and I think particularly for me, you know, some of my lowest points as a founder was in the postpartum phase of having children, you know, when we didn't have the resources or the talented people and the team that we have now. So I felt like I couldn't step away uh, from, from maternity leave and I couldn't, and, and there was, so, and you know, lugging newborns around the world and, and all of that kind of thing. And, and then, you know, obviously, for the business, the first year of COVID was one of our biggest challenges yet. Mm. It was the first time we'd ever experienced such a significant loss and the sheer unknown mm-hmm. that not only Vita Globe but ev- almost every business has gone through yes. in the last two years. Um, so, you know, I think I think one of one of the big highs for me personally with Vita Globe was the launch event that we did uh, in May two thousand and twenty one. Um, and that was really exciting to see that rebrand come to sale. Um, Tell me about that. Life. What did it look like? What was, oh, it, was what did it encompass? It was just, and we had Rita Aura there. We oh. had all of Australian media. We had it, you know, the backdrop was the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge. And we had so much Australian media and talent attend. And finally, I got to rebrand, which was something I wanted to do for so long, but it was such an expensive investment. And it took so much time. And then, you know, we really began conceptualizing that rebrand into at the end of 2018. We never expected COVID to hit mm. in 2020, so then it was delayed to 2021. Working behind the scenes on the international expansion during COVID when we couldn't actually travel and doing every meeting with every buyer and every retailer over Zoom, losing that personal aspect because, you know, we mustn't forget the importance of relationships and I think going on these overseas trips this year and being able to meet the buyers and meet the media and have one-on-one conversations with them in person, it's invaluable. I can't tell you how important it is to have those relationships. And the international expansion piece is so inspiring, seeing our products in store at, you know, iconic retailers like Harrods and Selfridges and Le Bon Marche and it's yeah, there's, you know, I've been through a lot of personal development since we launched yeah. for someone who doesn't have any immediate training and doesn't have a formal science background and started a business at the age of 24. It's incredible. Um, it gives me such a high to see how far the brand has come and and I want to remain I'm lucky because I'm the mother of three toddlers, so they always keep your feet firmly on the <laughs> ground. You know, you can never get to 
ahead of yourself because on any given day you're walking around with vomit or poo on you. So <laughs> it's a good way a to glamorous life. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, it's 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 it is quite incredible, and it, they are huge highs, and. And sometimes you do have to take it all in because it's an incredible amount of hard work. And and I think that that's what – it looks very shiny and glamorous on social media, mm-hmm. doesn't it? And, of course, um, the highlight like reel. Everyone always says it's the highlight reel. Mm-hmm. And so the, the hard work and the stress and the toll that it takes in the background is a lot and it's – it it's not for everybody, you know, and I can understand that because – you know there are really overwhelming days and mm-hmm. and there are really hard days and there are and there's a lot to lose i i feel an enormous sense of responsibility you know there are 63 more people um not only in australia but in the uk and europe and the us and in china who depend on me for their livelihood you know for their families and it's an it's an enormous amount of responsibility and then also making sure that you have integrity that you have credibility that you're giving your customers the best that you're dotting all your i's and crossing all your t's and that you have that strong sense of of integrity uh is incredibly important because this is this is everything to me. This isn't just like it's. I, you know, I've said this before, but it's not like I'm going to go and get another job, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. or I can go interview for somewhere else. Like this is, it's my whole life. I'm married to my business partner. I mean, we talk about our business every single day. Yeah. Oh God, there would be no escaping <laughs> it. Yeah. So you have to love it, and, and you, you you have to appreciate those highs, and you have to ride out those lows. I think the way you talk about it as well, so eloquently and so passionately, it is explains exactly why you guys are where you are because you obviously love it, you obviously care, you obviously put in so much hard work, which is the reason you guys are where you are. I mean, that's just so evident in your whole last answer. And I didn't even have to ask you about your highs and lows because you just told me about them. No, let me ask you a fun question. How do we get Rita Aura to a product launch? Oh, oh wow. Well, that was a real hustle. But, you know, she was so great to work with. Yeah, amazing. Um, and, and I've come to the point in my life now where I only want to work with easygoing people. Fair if enough. people become too precious or too hard work yeah. in the beginning or in those first initial emails, uh, you know, that's okay. And I just put them in the too hard basket and move on because uh, life's too short. And, yes. and I'm quite lucky with the people that we work with uh, so far. Well, not, I mean, maybe not in the beginning, but now we're at a point where we also have some pull uh, yes. to be able to be like, you know what, I, I just don't really have the patience to work with anyone that's too precious because I've done everything in this business, including, you know, everything, packing boxes, cleaning bathrooms. There's nothing that I haven't done. So I think the whole team just has like a roll up your sleeves and get it done uh attitude to work and and I like people that are like that and and she was like that so I'm very grateful to Rita. I love that. I love that. And that's a very sensible answer as well. I think you you just can't have time for for too much nonsense when you're running a business um to put it politely. So let's talk about actually I want to ask you this question. Pretend you're starting a whole new brand. It has nothing to do with Vita Glow, okay? What would be the most important thing you would do if you were starting up a new brand now? Oh, God. 
Um, Mine, for me, it was knowing my exact cost of goods. Like, that was my problem. <laughs> um, oh, gosh, that's hard. Look, I started Vita Glow on a whim. You know, I had an idea, but I didn't have a business plan. I didn't have a product hierarchy. I didn't have a strategy. Um, and I guess knowing what I know now, I would have mapped out the brand. I would have yes. mapped out our mission. I would have mapped out our product offering. Um, I wouldn't have dibble dabbled so much in in wellness and in other areas that I have in the past. You know, we've made some mistakes, not only in our first year, but, you know, in, in subsequent years. And we have learned from everything. And like I said before, we continue to learn, like even not being able to travel for two years and going on these trips this year, we've, we've learned so much. And so I think most importantly is we took the first step we started mm-hmm. and that's the best advice I would give. Yeah. You know, instead of pursuing perfection, just start, especially if it's your first business mm-hmm. because both you and the business will evolve. It will evolve with time. It will evolve with experience. You have to trust the process and it is progress not perfection i completely completely agree with that completely now looking back on all of it the ups the downs the highs the lows everything in between would you do it all over again a hundred percent absolutely everyone always answered with a hundred percent that's the exact word everyone always answers with yes I should have thought of something more creative no I could make a whole episode of people saying a hundred percent look I think you know we have a positive impact on people's lives you know I mean what about that I mean that's 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 an incredible achievement that people write into me every single day about a product they've taken or they've given to someone or the results that they've seen. You know, we have this team of like people that are the best of their fields who are just, you know, I look at my team sometimes and I follow them all on social media and I'm like, you know, on their weekends, they're posting about Vita Glow, they're taking it. Like one of our um, copywriters was like posting it on her social media. Yes, I take the products every day. Yes, they work. And, yep. uh, you know, a selfie of her glowing skin. And it's just, it's it's incredibly rewarding and I don't take it for granted. And really my goal is to be global leaders in ingestible beauty. And I know that that is an ambitious goal and it's exciting, you know, to be pushing the category forward with our commitment to education with our commitment to innovation um and and I look forward to continue to do it and so I would do it all again in a heartbeat amazing I love your passion for what you do it is oh it makes me so happy I have the biggest smile on my face oh thank you so much (laughs) where can people find you on socials if they want to know more about you and what you do so you can find Vita Glow on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I'm a bit of a dinosaur. I am only <laughs> on Instagram, and um, I'm at Anna.Lay, which is L-A-H-E-Y. Um, and they can always reach out to me, always send me a DM. I always reply. Anna, thank you for such a beautiful interview. It was such a pleasure and an honour to hear your story, and I love that I've, I love having watched Vita Glow grow from back when I was in the startup industry and seeing your incredible success. Your passion for what you do is so inspiring. Obviously, this is your life. This is your passion. This is kind of your reason, right? It's it's incredible. So thank you for sharing that with all of us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Behind the Brand. Now, guys, if you love today's episode, I would love if you would leave me a review over on Apple Podcasts. And for your time, I will send you a copy of a press release template that you can use in your small business straight away. So all you need to do is pop onto the Apple Podcasts app, leave a written review, take a screenshot, head over to Instagram and DM it to me over at at behindthebrand.podcast and I will email you your press release template. Sound like a good deal? Talk soon.